Shall we begin? Let's begin now. This episode of No Accounting for Taste is sponsored by Intuit QuickBooks. It's great to have such a well-established and thought-leading sponsor on board for the podcast. Just like we deliver everything you need from accounting news, QuickBooks has everything you need for your accounting software. For more information, go to quickbooks.intuit.com forward slash accountants. Enjoy the show. It's No Accounting for Taste, bringing you the latest news and analysis from the world of accountancy from Accounting Web Towers in beautiful downtown Bristol. In this edition, KPMG, this small business accounting is trickier than we thought. Uh, Also, a fun-filled forecasting frenzy and fax machines. Yes, they are still a thing. Uh, I'm Tom Herbert, editor of accountingweb.co.uk, and this week we have a panel. Uh, While Donald Tusk may think there's a special place in hell for no-planned Brexiteers, here's a man with a special place in our hearts. It's John Stockdag. (laughs) Here, here, Tom. (laughs) And joining John is another pod regular. It's the Prince of Practice himself. Richard Hattersley. Thanks, Tom. And making up our three musketeers, or musket panellists, it's our business editor, Francois Bardenhorst. Hey, Fran. Hello, everyone. Uh, Is it getting a bit smelly in here with the musk? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Which musketeer would you be, Fran? Uh, D'Artagnan, definitely. Uh, Without a shadow of a doubt. Okay, I'm a Porthos man myself, but there we go. Um, Anyway, uh, without further ado, uh, let's crack on into the headlines of the most read stories on Accounting Web this week. After our tax extravaganza last time, it's a real mixed bag. Um, So at number three, uh, third most read on the site this week, uh, step away from the pod if you're of a nervous disposition. It's Mark Telford's opinion piece entitled Accountants Are Lazy. Um, There's a range of reaction to this from uh, the best thing I've read for a long time to absolute shock dross. So, uh, uh, Richard, can you give us a quick pressy of um, Mark's thesis here? Yeah, sure. Anyone who's even glanced on the counter well will know that Mike Talbot. He's he's a bit of a shrinking violet, isn't he? He's not one <laughs> to uh, to say his opinions, no. But um, Mike, uh, he he put together this blog where he um, he was flying the flag of advisory, and um, he one quote from this particular blog, which I'm sure many people might spit their coffee out whilst listening to this is he said, if you're the type of accountant who is moaning about being too busy in January or stressed out because of work with clients leaving everything until the last minute, the reality is you only have yourself to blame. Um, So yeah, Mike, not holding anything back, um, flying the flag of advisory all the way and um, uh, kicking compliance to the curb as well. I'm imagining Mark Telford as Alec Baldwin and Glenn Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Just put the compliance down. (laughs) Goodness. Coffee is for advisors. <laughs> uh, John, um, what were your thoughts? Well, I've, I can see where he's coming from. I can know where he's coming from. We've heard, you know, we've heard all the developers banging the drum about, you know, compliance is going to go away. You've got to <laughs> fill the gap, you know, become more proactive and, inval- you know, indispensable to your customers. It's a, it's an old, 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 old tune. Uh, and kind of interesting, If actually, if you talk to, like, Gary Turner at Zero or Hannah Dawson at Futurely, and some of those people who who are involved in pushing that message for the past decade, they're being a bit more subtle about it than Mark. They're saying, "Yeah, no, not every. It's not for everyone." And mm. and in in our accounting excellence program, you look at that. You know, Mark uses the phrase of the sort of sausage factory compliance 
firm and just pumping it out. Well, actually, you know, Mark, um, there's a there's a lot of individual taxpayers. There's a lot of sort of one person companies, you know, who are going to have their own compliance issues, uh, and they they do need accounting help. And they, they, you know, they're not looking for business growth advice. They just, mm-hmm. you know, want to make sure they don't go to jail. And and, and so so you can't say a company like Crunch and Brighton. It's like got thousands and thousands of these smalls. You know, they're not lazy. It's 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 a question. It's a different business business model. So. Yeah, it, it works for some, and Mark can continue down. You know, he's he's got a new bee in his bonnet, and that's kind of a new vision for him. Great, but you know, I think I think the world is wider than 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 that solar universe, and and you know, I, I think let's let's, let's acknowledge mm. people. There are people at different stages in their careers. Yeah, you know, a lot of accounting web members are actually. I don't think it's lazy to be getting on and have a small client base. And but where does where does advisory? Um, start and, and compliance stop because in terms of if I had an accountant I, I, I might not have the most complex tax affairs but I, I would be asking them advice I mean what I never really completely got the divide uh, how how um, it's it's more you, you, I think it's aimed at the small business client um, the, the, who don't understand their numbers so I think the the kind of accountant Mark wants to be wants to you know start getting that that business to understand its numbers to have business you know help them evolve a business plan and and then you know act as the coach uh, pushing you know it's it's the performance numbers and the kpis that matter more Hmm. to a a business advisor and you know you want the business to perform better and then really the if you're going all cloud you have the full stack and and you pump the number you know you're giving them the numbers on a monthly basis all the compliance stuff just does sort of more come out the other end of the practice, and it's a, you know, it's it's not the be all in the practice. They're they're, they're it's more about the reporting, spotting the problems, mm. uh, and eliminating clients. So so it's, uh, it and, and I guess it's a bit the mark maybe isn't touching on. So obviously it's the ability to it's it's not laziness. It's it's capability to to get your clients to recognize. You know, to start helping them stop, start packaging and selling them that kind of service. And dare I say it, the old phrase of getting to recognize value. So if you're not getting out there, make, you know, intent on purpose, trying to get your client to buy business improvement services, you know, you don't quite fit his model. Hmm. That, that covers a lot of a lot of the members of the profession. It, mm. Yeah, indeed. Well, before we completely fall down the uh, advisory yeah, compliance yeah, back, away, back away from it. <laughs> um, we'll move on to the second most read story on the site this week. This is Richard Sargent, who, as part of his own ongoing series, How Others See Us, he spoke with a Dutch senior tax consultant about his impression of the UK accounting scene. So the piece covers inevitably Brexit, but also tax digitalization and the way clients are charged in comparison with the the scene in Holland. So yeah, fascinating piece. I'd urge you to seek it out. Uh, all, all links to these stories are available in the show notes to this pod. And the number one, the most read story on the site is Neil Warren's analysis of another case where HMRC failed in its challenge to a trader who had split his business in order to avoid registering for VAT. Um, I mean, if Oscar Wilde was in the VAT expert space, he may have remarked 
to lose one business splitting case could be considered unfortunate, but to lose two shows signs of carelessness. So, uh, yeah, that one's that one's from Neil in the article. I can claim, uh, well, I don't know if I want to claim responsibility for that, even if I did. But uh, anyway, yes. Yeah, so uh, I guess with the VAT registration threshold frozen for another year, more and more businesses are finding themselves butting up against the. Um, the threshold being drawn into the VAT regime, and that's that's something particularly interesting with MTD on the horizon. Um, it it's very popular with with accounting web members. Uh, pieces like this, it's an increasingly common way to to avoid being drawn into the VAT threshold to to to, to split your business. But um, as Neil has pointed out in the past, you need to be very careful about how you approach this. So. Things like keeping separate bank accounts and business records, making sure customers are clear they're dealing with two separate businesses and, and suppliers, and obviously submitting separate tax returns. Pretending that you have an identical twin, that would be a good one. Mm-hmm. Like, like parent trap scenario. It's like the prestige. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are there just hundreds of Neil Warrens somewhere in the house? Um, Indeed. So on that bombshell, we will move straight to the discussion section this week. Um, later on, our software trend spotter, John, will bring you his, his spring software tips. So what's hot and what's not. But there's only one place to start, really. And that is with news that KPMG have confirmed that it will shut its small business accounting venture after just five years in the market. So uh, this offered cloud-based bookkeeping to small and micro-businesses. It was launched amid much fanfare um, in 2015 with a pledge to disrupt and dominate the SME market. And uh, I believe the the, the chap in charge uh, promised small businesses, you can pay us the same amount as your current accountant. But we will give you more. Um, I think this this news has unleashed a, a tidal wave of small practice Schadenfreude um, amongst uh, a, a lot of readers who, you know, probably could have told you uh, told you that five years ago. Uh, I, 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 I think if you can't see me on the podcast preening, but I do remember <laughs> standing up in front of a room and, and telling, you know, about five years, telling a group of account accounting web members, you know. They say they've got the brand. It's KPMG, but but actually they they can't, you know just we were talking earlier about the accountant with the relationship with their business clients. Mm-hmm. You know if they've got a good business relationship and and they know their onions. You know KPMG can't compete with that personal brand. You know they're, they're, that's a being local and that's a huge strength. So and mm-hmm. then we found that just they couldn't scale it either. I mean, you know, yeah. we were getting vibes from our sources quite early on that just yeah. they were seeing the amount of work going into it and just thinking there's no way KPMG yeah. can you know, fulfill that business model, even if they outsourced it, you know, yeah. which yeah. they were doing. De- delivering delivering any kind of service like that at scale means sort of packaging it. In a, in a very kind of definite ways that don't really correlate with how most accountants do with their clients anyway. You can't just like phone up KPMG and be like, hello, Mr. KPMG, I'd like to speak to you now. Now, I know the head whole thing about you got your advisors or whatever, but then I know there's really high turnover. Well, also, if you did want to phone up KPMG, uh, that wasn't part of the contract, you know. You had <laughs> yeah, to exactly, the clock yeah. ticking. Yeah, yeah like it, 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 they, they, I don't think that they were able to offer that sort of like ad hoc kind of um, help that, that seems like the writing's on the wall. Wow. Certainly a couple of years ago when there's like a post on any answers where 
people were saying, well, I've been picking up clients from KPMG. Oh, yeah, I have too. Yeah, me too. Mm, yeah. Posting from KPMG. It's a various, various different gripes from uh, disaffected clients. I think one person had had uh, several sort of account managers throughout the year. Another had pointed out that I think 18 separate people uh, at KPMG had access to their Zero account. So, yeah, just just sort of yeah. slight concerns raised uh, about a variety of um, different issues and, and, and the pricing ultimately wasn't enough to um, do that. I, I'm kind of going to be a little bit contrarian on this and say I think it could have worked. Um, I think that perhaps perhaps not at the scale they wanted it to work and that they trumpeted that it would would necessarily but i think the technology was in place um i think there were various linkedin uh posts springing up uh quoting this article and on one of these i think talking about how technology is just an enabler and how you need to have the process and people in place to actually um uh, make everything like this work and that there are a small number of smaller micro businesses who might want KPMG as their accountant for the prestige value but perhaps not enough to yeah I, th- I think fundamentally the fact that it, that it couldn't have worked at the scale that they wanted to means that for them it could not have worked because you know KPMG fundamentally is it's, it's not in this for uh, to have 200 days a year and like a nice stable income they obviously want to make as much profit as they can mm. uh, indeed clearly. well yeah, we could forecast that perhaps, but in terms of the general state of forecasting, mm. it's it's fair to say that the market has been a little bit dormant um, recently, but we are seeing the green shoots of recovery. Fran, can you tell us more about the piece you've written for us this week? Yeah, so the piece I wrote this week, and, and I'm sure John, John, will, John will give, give some more colour to this too, because we had an interesting conversation about, about sort of like a bit of... Um, Bit of growth happening there after like a long period of of, of, of not not much really kicking off. Mm. Um, so the one I wrote about was quarter one, which is uh, a new forecasting solution, which is um, which is centered on like CRM data, because uh, the founder Michael Fox, who is a former CFO, he's he's of the opinion that that this data is 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 sort of like the the, the missing link between like um, between like making forecasting um, a little bit more. Uh, Making forecasts a bit more reliable and a bit more, um, you know, giving them a bit of a longer half life. Mm. Uh, uh, there was some remarkable stat in the piece about uh, about the half life of a forecast. Yeah, yeah. You, you this is like from a conversation I had with you, Johnson. Sh- shout out to you if he's listening. Um, he he talked about like the average forecast has about a twenty five percent. Uh, Half life, so usually within about a, yeah, like a week, making a forecast, you have to adapt it, which sort of is the reason why Excel is such a it still remains because like it's easy for people to tinker with it, and like a lot of forecasting solutions that are there now, they're not so easy to adapt and to, to, to it sort of goes into the black box and then a number comes shoots out, shoots out exactly. I mean, I've got to again maybe be the voice of. Uh... Of times gone, or you know, of the tra- of tradition here. But for God's sake, you're going to start forecasting sales, you know, on the basis of sales forecast, you know, mm-hmm. the sales. You know, you know, we have a rule of thumb in our business where you know you take the sales forecast and you cut it in half, and that's roughly you know you're going to be somewhere in the region there. But um, but actually, to be serious, um, you know, sales forecasts are kind of 
riven by self-interest and things, so you have yeah. to adapt that. But if you start correlating that to what's actually coming in, yeah. and maybe things like predictors like NBS, exactly. you, know, you do yeah. start getting a more powerful tool. Which, so, though I jest, yeah, it's I, an interesting that's, that's I mean, like that is something that I, that I asked Michael about, because obviously, you know, there is that you know, over-optimism, shall we say, that comes with commercial teams sometimes. But he says that the whole point is that you, you kind of want to break these silos a little bit of like, um, uh, and using trend analysis and sort of going, going through the CRM data that they get, they can, it'll be able to, you can be able to kind of like track and say like, well, this, this, these figures you gave me are wildly over-optimistic. Um, you know, can, you need to sort it out. Because he made the point about how, with with forecasting, you're, you're you're kind of reliant on other people in the business to give you perspective on how the business is trading. So, I mean, yeah, I, th- I think anything that can, that can actually help with that issue is probably a good thing. Oh, fantastic. So, uh, moving on from the forecasting beat a little bit, but looking to the future, there, there's always one man who's ahead of the accountancy game, it seems, and that's Will Farnell. Richard, what is his practice up to now? Well, we all know we're always sort of synonymous with innovation, and this time his innovations come in to, um, to staff and employees. And um, what he is doing is bringing total flexibility to the way that they work. So we sort of, I think it seems like we've spoken every month on this pod about flexible work, not so much flexible working, but uh, work-life balance and the always-on culture. It seems like that's something that's cropped up pretty frequently. Uh, we've heard stories about um, mental health breakdowns from accountants. We've um, had um, employees checking their emails throughout the night at the fear that they're going to miss a client, um, getting in contact with them. Um, and then only last month, I think, uh, the accounting ch- charity Carbon released a survey of results where 22% of chartered accountants consider handing in their notice on a weekly basis with the biggest contributing factor being um, their inability to achieve work-life balance. So with all these things swirling around, we, we've sort of heard different suggestions over the last few months how how firms, how businesses can be able to help employees um, with all of these stresses, yet at the same time keep the business ticking over and not really causing any issue there. Um, so Fran, like uh, a couple of months ago, you talked about the four-day week and the realities of that and whether that's even possible. Um, Will's approach is quite similar to, I guess, a four-day week, but um, instead of having it just in that four-day block, he's stretching it over five days and having... And his staff members will be working six six hour days instead of the traditional seven and a half or eight hour working days. Um, He's given them a limited holiday and then he's given them the the, uh, ability to work where, when and how they want to work. Um, the whole the whole unlimited holiday thing is for me is a bit of a tough one because I know, I know there's been like studies where they sh- they've shown that like, people end up taking less holiday just because there's there's no parameter defined around it. Um, you know, it makes it makes it a bit more difficult. People, people well, well the parameter is you're managing by results. Mm-hmm. Are the people you know people have got targets, have got results, and if you can deliver it in the in in time that you. I mean, three yeah. weeks ahead of your quarter. But I mean, you can you target. can certainly you can certainly see how a more exploitative boss would be like would, would keep raising the bar higher and higher and higher, and your your holidays would dwindle rather than having yeah. a thing of saying like twenty eight days or whatever. I guess that culture needs to start at the top, and if uh, yeah, exactly, you got like a oh, I think yeah, with I, his whip coming in, but, but, which I don't think he will. He's <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's certainly. 
Certainly, that's the case. But friendly I, well, but I, we're going to need to send someone in, you know, undercover to the tax and the pound yeah. pub on the Friday. Uh, I'll be there on the Friday just yeah. to check. We'll just uh, yeah. for the pint now, and I'll but be I think, there. <laughs> I think we sort of dance around the issue a little bit often, but I mean, the question really is whether whether a workplace is exploitative or not, and whether a workplace treats its workers fairly or not, and you know, chartered accountants are they white collar workers, but they are workers. So um, it's a matter of you know ensuring a workplace that makes it easy for people to have a work-life balance. I think that's what's important about Will's approach to this is that he highlighted work-life balance as one well of the main drivers behind bringing this in. Yeah. I think if if that was not within conversation, then yeah. there, there would be the fear, yeah. I guess, that people could exploit. But it seems like it's from a good place. Yeah. Indeed. So, uh, moving on, John, your heavily trailed uh, spring software shopping bonanza. Tell us more. Okay. Well, we you know we all know and expect you, you've you've finished the tax return. You know, for the practitioner side of the family, the returns are over. It, you know, we've always had the my God, damn, never again. You know, what can we do to improve our processes? So I've, I've always, you know, you based a lot of our coverage and planning around. You know, there's going to be a lot of practice software sold at this time of year. And we're seeing all the sort of road shows and things come out. But it's some, um, you know, MTD, the shadows, looms as ever, which even with just in the VAT um, implementation is still going to you know, put some extra workflows and things on top of firms. So I, th- I expect to see more practice software being sold. But I, I was uh, talking to Chris Downing at Sage, who, you know, the, the award-winning ex- counting excellence award winner who, who defected to the other, to the, to the other side. <laughs> and he pointed out you know, very obviously for them, you know, the big bookkeeping software vendors also see that, that there's a lot of people going to be reviewing bookkeeping arrangements now. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is like a mega, a mega shot, you know, double, double plus shopping season. And we're just waiting for those, those, uh, Big big bonus discounts to come up. Do you think so? Because obviously, do, do you think that the MTD might be a bit of a distraction that the, the practices might put off updating their their sort of systems and workflows in favour of just nailing MTD and then maybe next but, year. But just might... since two thousand and fifteen, we have seen you know the, the the use of cloud accounting has doubled, mm. and it it seems like this the vendors all see this as a sales lever uh, for this quarter you know mm. until April. So, so it's happening there, and it's because of the the um, that shopping. You know, we, we know that if there are people looking in the market, thank goodness we've got our our small business accounts uh, software reviews in the market because that's precisely what we designed this to do is to try and help people improve their deliberations. Uh, and, uh, you know, just to point out, you're know, talking about Sage, we, I, I've always been fixated a bit on the, you know, the big showdown between the two giants, Zero versus QuickBooks. We kind of glossed over Sage, you know, forgot about them last time when we talked. Um, and the one thing, Sage, Sage are aware of that, but you've got to remember they might be being eclipsed, you know, with their old desktop generation, but there's a whole, you know, there's 25 years worth of accountants mm-hmm. have learned how to, do their job on on Sage fifty counts. So, so there's like this cultural tale that I have calculated. It's, you know, if, if Sage is like the oasis of of, uh, of accounting software, you know, they were really big in the nineties. <laughs> you know, they, maybe oasis have gone away, but but that that cultural hangover. You know, I think that's when they were at their peak. So give them sort of twenty odd years after, and we're beginning. You know, the you know everyone's not wedded to Sage fifty anymore, but there's still a lot of people 
who who will uh, are thinking about migrating and sage you know sage has their phone numbers and you, you can bet along with zero and quickbooks and all the others you know sage is sending people along to them mm. there's they're all offering help and support with making tax digital uh, as in fact are we accounting web so you know we're, we're jumping on that bandwagon as well it is now you know sage are, are going to be doing a program in march with us at a webcast we're doing a live event in London on Tuesday the twelfth. I'm sorry, folks, it's a sellout. But you know, if you it's it's a bit like if Bruce Springsteen on Broadway. If you can't get the the hot ticket for the live event, we are going to be streaming a version of that on the twenty first of February as well. So there's a mountain of of marketing going on and education around making tax digital. And you know, I think we want people to have the education. I think the vendors will be. Making Indeed. sure you know their products are there to help you through MTD as well. Absolutely, that that uh, making tax digital webcast, everything you need for MTD in 2019. That's Thursday, 23rd of February at 1 p.m. Um, for more details, it's accountingexcellence.co.uk forward slash talks. So thank you very much to John. Um, we do have a, an email address. Um, I, I don't know if you've forgotten it everyone or uh, maybe, maybe it's just going into our spam filter right? yeah I, I, maybe, maybe it's just being overloaded with uh, messages it's just jammed I, that's it that's it we need to yeah. start at instagram mm. post in- sexy selfies a little more attention indeed so if you would like to comment on the pod send us a story or just tell us how uh, wonderful our voices are you mm. can reach us on naft at accountingweb.co.uk dot uk um john's taking a selfie yeah, right so now let's look selfie yeah <laughs> um, i hope you heard the the, the shutter <laughs> clicking here uh, like the goddamn millennials my goodness yeah so <laughs> on that bombshell we will wrap things up uh, thank you very much to richard john and francois thank you to quickbooks for supporting this podcast thank you to producer balme and thank you too for listening right to the end for everything From the big wide world of accountancy, we're accountingweb.co.uk. Bye for now. Thank you to Intuit QuickBooks for sponsoring this podcast. For more information, go to quickbooks.co.uk forward slash delightful.